All right, what is going on, guys? You are live here in the sit-down presented by Duff's Famous Wings on the Built-in Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. I am your host, as always, the Sauce God, at Buffalo Sauce God across all social media platforms. Joined here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Mafia Montage at Mafia Montage. How are we doing this evening, brother? Doing well, doing well. Bill's Mafia, how you doing? So, for anybody just now tuning in, don't forget to hit that like and share. Keep those comments flowing. Mafia Montage and I are going to be discussing a little bit of a few different things, right? Because we do have some things to talk about Buffalo Bills uh, wise, you know, as far as like Vaughn Miller's updates, um, as far as DeMar Hamlin's updates, and as far as anything like that. But we also have some to discuss with the AFC East. Um, there's some news going on with the Jets, the Patriots, and a lot more. So Montage and I got a great show plan. We're also going to go over the NFL rule changes that are occurring in this season. So. If you're just now tuning in, hit that like and share. Don't be where you're live in the sit-down presented by Duff's Famous Wings. Let's kick off that intro. So we're live here in the sit down for the built in Buffalo Networks Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. I am the Sauce God at Buffalo Sauce God, joined here with Mafia Montage. So, first things first, we're going to talk about some things AFC East wise. We're going to talk about the NFL rule changes, and we're going to talk about anything else Buffalo Bills wise because you know, Montage, we've had a great couple of recent shows. We predicted the schedule, we have Mark Maddox on. Um, what were some of the things, though, before we get into this that you guys actually talked about on the Buffalo Blitz? Yeah, we went through basically. Um... You know, the OTA updates for that day, uh, we had a couple of new signings where we signed Dean Marlowe and um, Wilson, the tight end. So uh, 12 gauges here. What's up, Cousin Eddie? Chilling out. Um, appreciate you being here. So, yeah, they, uh, you know, we talked about the OTAs, kind of, you know, how Von Miller's progressing, um, the snippets we heard from McDermott and Josh Allen. So if you haven't already done so, go back and check out that episode. Uh, it was a great episode for Peter and I. Yeah, so I think one of the things that we're going to focus on the most tonight is the NFL rule changes because, of course, as much as we are a Buffalo Bills uh, show, we still have to cover the NFL, and I think it's vital for fans to kind of know some of the upcoming rule changes and how it may or may not affect the Buffalo Bills. Um, so I'm actually just working on trying to pull up some of these rule changes right now. But for anybody just now tuning in, guys, hit that like and share. Mafia Montage and I are ready to get this show kicked off. Of course, this is the sit down in the audio version of this show will be available via audio podcasts on Spotify, Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever it may be. 
Um, so montage, let's get this kicked off first. Um, before we get into the rule changes, I want to talk about this. Aaron Rodgers is apparently injured. Uh, he didn't spend very much time out there doing first team reps. Zach Wilson was actually doing that in OTAs. And Aaron Rodgers said that he tweaked his calf. Some people are calling it an ankle injury. Um, what do you think as far as his injury? Is it significant? Is it, uh, you know, something that uh, is kind of alarming or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Already. He didn't even make it through one practice. One practice, Jets fans. And he couldn't make it through without getting hurt. I don't think they. I don't think he's going to last, dude. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Jets are going to be uh, similar to what we saw out of the Denver Broncos last year. And, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers' health is going to have everything to do with that. So it's uh, it's just kind of laugh. And you know, it's kind of funny to me. It's kind of laughable, really, that uh, they have, you know, all these um, – all these hype, all this hype and, and, and talent on the roster. And, um, all they need is the quarterback. They bring him in and first practice, he gets injured. Obviously he's going to heal from that. He's got time, but those soft tissue injuries can become a, a real, uh, real pain. Uh, no pun intended. You know, I think that you just definitely have to be careful. He's got to get treated, um, well and, and make sure he doesn't try to get back too fast to, um, you know, get chemistry with his guys. Cause I think that that's just going to hinder him even more. So uh, it's, it's unfortunate for Aaron really, but I just think that's kind of funny how, uh, how it all is happening. So. Yeah. I think for Aaron Rodgers, um, it's probably not that significant. It is kind of how, you know, like you said, it's kind of funny and it's a little ironic that he's injured in his first session with the jets um, and any actual on field action that they've had so far. But I think that Aaron Rodgers is more than likely going to be ready to go by week one against the Buffalo Bills. I don't see it being too significant. However, it just brings me back to the point of where is Aaron Rodgers' mindset heading into this NFL season? Is he really trying to win a Super Bowl? Is he just trying to finish out his last couple of years in the NFL in an exciting city where maybe kind of like what they said about LeBron James when he went to L.A., that he was going there basically to continue his business assets and um, everything that he was doing as far as media production and being closer to his kids playing high school basketball. So it makes you wonder, is Aaron Rodgers truly invested in this New Jersey Jets team? And is he truly invested in winning a Super Bowl? If For me, I, you don't need to necessarily be out there, you know, sweating your ass off or anything like that. But I would think that when a team makes as big of a trade as the Jets did to acquire Aaron Rodgers, you got to be out there having some sort of action, right? You just don't want Zach Wilson getting those reps. And Zach Wilson was the one that I also said too, he's going to make that guy's life a living hell in every day in practice when, you know, he was speaking about a veteran quarterback, maybe coming into play. So for me, Rodgers has become more of a pocket passer. A tweak is no big deal. Everyone relax. Exactly. Roy's right. It's not exactly anything that is alarming, but it is something to keep our mind, uh, definitely keep our eye on because, like I said, is this the type of mentality that he has? Is he truly trying to win a Super Bowl or is he just out there to get his paycheck? And is he just out there basically trying to finish off his NFL career and whatever else? But let's take a look at some of those comments real fast as well, Montage. Yeah, Royce coming in. Rodgers definitely invested in his contract, that's for sure. And then Green Bay didn't want him, John says. Yeah, we. I mean, we know that uh, and more so he didn't want Green Bay. So uh, obviously coming in, um, you know, he wanted to go elsewhere. And it's funny that, you know, with him and Favre having the history they have, that um, 
that he went to the Jets and that he wanted to go to the Jets. But um, I really think it's fun. It's it's going to be a fun season. And week one is going to be great. Um, I think that it's going to be a hell of a contest. But I also like that we get to play them week one because, you know, they might not have th- quite everything figured out just yet, um, you know, when we line up against them. So we can uh, go ahead and just uh, get that W for our divisional win and and move on with our season. That would be nice. So it, it'll be That's interesting to see. I think he's goes into week one, you know, I think, you know, Roy's right. It's he's going to be fine. I know that it's just funny. It's hilarious that they do all this and then the guy gets hurt the first practice uh, before the media can even check him out, you know, with the new teammates. So, you know, who knows? I, I guess, you know, it is just a tweak and he he's definitely going to be fine, but it's just, it's, I just find it funny and those soft tissue injuries do tend to linger. So I just think, it, like he's I said, what, it's just kind of, yeah, he's not young. Um, you know, he's going on all these retreats. He's, uh, you know, kind of being immobile in that he's not, I'm not saying he's obviously in, I'm 37. He's 39. He's way better shape than I am, obviously, but I don't look like a homeless person. You know, I, you know, royalty back in the day uh, when you were a royal, you were fat. So that's what I, you know, I just subscribe to that idea that I eat well and I show it off. So, yeah. So it just gives me a sense of, of uh, that. I'm just being an asshole, but I I think that, that Rogers is going to be all right. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how he comes through. Um, into the season and how effective he is right away. I think too, it's, you know, it's funny bringing that up because that's what Michael Scott says to Kevin Malone, you know, about, you know, bigger people were the more powerful ones back in the day. Um, But again, it's not that significant to me, no, about his injury. And do I think it's going to play into week one? Not necessarily. But again, this Buffalo Bills team is definitely keeping their eye on something like that leading into this very hyped up matchup on Monday night football to kick off the NFL regular season, which by the way, um, questions from fans, uh, that come through via super chat are heavily prioritized, but yes, the countdown to the 2023 NFL regular season's first game, 105 days montage. And I'll tell you what, it definitely feels like we're getting closer and closer as we are nearing under a hundred days until the kickoff of the NFL regular season. But let us know in the comments, how do you guys feel about Getting that much closer to the NFL regular season, we have OTAs. We've got guys out there who are not there as well, and we're also going to touch on that briefly. And as well as, um, as well as uh, the rumors that are sur- uh, surrounding DeAndre Hopkins at this present moment in time, which I know that we've talked about it a lot extensively on show after show after show, but it is coming back into light again because of DeAndre Hopkins talking on a podcast with Brandon Marshall about which quarterbacks he'd like to play with. And, of course, you guys know which one he said first. But, Montage, let's keep this show rolling. And for anybody just now tuning in, don't forget to hit that like and share your live here in the sit-down on the Built-In Buffalo Networks Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. This is presented by Duff's Famous Wings. And don't forget, Built-In Buffalo is in partnership with PLB Sports, Picasso's Pizza, also Ticket IQ, and Western New York. And I'll tell you what, Underdog Fantasy for the Buffalo Blitz, which you guys can catch on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m., with yours truly, Mafia Montage, and Peter DiBiase. And don't forget to hit that like and share, and as well as subscribe to all of our content. Turn those notifications on so you don't miss any of the upcoming stuff as we get closer and closer to the NFL's regular season. You don't want to miss anything. So, Montage, let's give a quick update. Um, Before we get to the NFL rule changes, actually, I want to talk about this one. Vaughn Miller's update. Um, Now, he's out there from what I've heard. He's out there. He's He's running. He's not making cuts yet, which I would think is pretty inhuman to do unless you're Adrian Peterson. Um, what do you think of the timetable of Von Miller's injury at this point 
with the progress that he's made and the things that he's been able to do. Right. So in his press conference, he said he'll be back by week six at the latest. Um, and he didn't rule out being available for week one. So uh, my stance on this has been that I think he's going to play week one. I don't have any knowledge of him being able to or not, but I just think his mind is in a good place. He's a strong uh, freak athlete. So I just think that, you know, they're going to ease him into it, but I really think he could, he could make it back for week one and, you know, give it a shot. And maybe it's on a pitch count, but I just think he's, he's back in the lineup by then. I think the, you know, the week six mark is after the London trip against the giants there. He definitely probably wants to be back uh, to play against Dayball, even though he didn't, uh, you know, play under Dayball that much. But I think that Giants game is going to be important for the entire team as kind of getting, um, you know, going against Dayball. I think they're going to have fun with it. I don't think it's necessarily going to be any sort of like um, hatred or bad blood or anything. It's just going to be a fun. I think they're going to they're going to like having Dayball back uh, in the build, you know, in the area and just be able to see him again. So I think, um, you know, they take that trip to London week five. And then they have the Dolphins week four. I just, I really, if if he's not back week one, I really hope, you know, that October 1st matchup against the Dolphins uh, in Buffalo, the unofficial BIB takeover game, um, as everyone's going to get there and try to, and try to support the Bills and, and meet up that game. So, um, you know, I think by Dolphins Bills week four, he's back, but uh, he didn't rule out week one. And it's even more, uh, not suspicious per se, but it's funny that, the Bills got the Monday night game. So now they he even gets that extra day to kind of um, prepare and be able to be out there, you know, as they um, as they start their season on the Monday night. So so I really like it. Um, you know, I wore my Miller time shirt uh, just for this episode. And I, I really uh, Vaughn's one of my favorite guys in the NFL. I was hoping the Bills were going to draft him. Obviously, it didn't work out like that. But now they've got him. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of all in on on how much of an impact he can really make. I think he, he's a difference maker. He puts so much more focus um, on himself and takes it off the guys that maybe aren't able to handle um, some of the focus. And then the way Rousseau, Basham, and Epinesa may progress this year, I think it's going to be pretty dangerous to see Von Miller with those three on the other side or spelling him even. Um, and and Von even said, you know, these guys got bigger, uh, they got faster, stronger. They're they're learning. They're at. They're saying, hey, this is what we said last year. You know, what what about this little tip that you gave us? And, and I think it's it's cool that um, at, like I said, the mentality out there is is spot on. And another, while we're talking about injuries, I just want to bring up, you know, that Trey White um, also, um, you know, is such a in such a better placement mentally. So I don't think you know Roy says. I don't think Vaughn and Peter and I discussed this a little bit too. I don't think Vaughn's going to actually um, start on the pup because if you're on the pup, you have to miss four weeks automatically. And I just think he's going to be chomping at the bit to get back there before, um, before the fourth week. So I, he didn't rule anything out and I'm not ruling anything out. And I, my thing all along, he even said this in his conference that his press conference that his, you know, his timetable was nine months. And he had the surgery in December so that he could hit the nine month timetable. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. December plus nine months is September. So he's going to be back in September some point. 
in my opinion. And yeah. I don't think that he's going to go on pup because I think he's going to be, if he's not in the first game, I think he's going to be in the, you know, even on a pitch count, they might play him uh, to be able to get him reps in the Raiders or commanders game, even though we don't really need him against those two teams because we'll probably blow those two teams out. But I think that even so, um, you know, it'll be good to have him and and get him his reps so that when it comes time for the Miami game week four, like I said, I think he's going to be full go in that game and, and ready to rip. So I think he's going to see some time. Um, you know, if it's not against the Jets, I, I suspect it'll be week two or three against the Raiders or the commanders on a pitch count and then being able to ramp up and, and be full go for the uh, Miami game. Yeah, I think Vaughn Miller and, and we actually, you know, discussed this with Mark Maddox about will he if he's ready to go um he's definitely going to be playing you know what I mean it's not a kind of thing where they're going to hold him or save him or you know like try to save him for the big game type of mentality like no it's not like that Von Miller is definitely a guy that carries himself very well number one but he's also a leader and he's also dedicated to being on that football field not just for himself but for his teammates and for those around him that need him because he is such a leader to this young core and he is so instrumental to what the, he's trying to bring to this defense and why we brought him here in the first place, right? So we need Vaughn Miller as soon as possible. Of course, we don't want to rush nothing, yes. But my guess is he'll be back by week four. Um, I know he says by week six, but I think that week four is probably just that timetable. We might win the first game. You might, might not be there. And like you said, we might have weeks two and three in which we don't necessarily need to have him out there as well. But like uh, Mark Maddox said, if he's good to go, he's probably more than likely going to be out there on the football field. So I like that take. For those of you just now tuning in, though, you're live here in the sit-down of the Built Up Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, hosted by myself, the Sauce God, and Mafia Montage over here. And don't forget, we're presented by Duff's Famous Wings, the best damn chicken wings that you can find if you go to the original. Uh, some people get that mistaken. So, Montage, let's go ahead and let's get into some of these rule changes because this is huge. I mean, this is something that we don't talk about enough as far as just NFL news, but this does directly apply to the Buffalo Bills as well. So let's talk a little bit about some of the rule changes. Um, and uh, yeah. I, I wanted well, the I first rule change that you want to bring up first. Yeah. So obviously one that happened a little while ago that I'll just throw out there and I want to get your opinion on. It's not necessarily the one that just the, the few that just happened now, but uh, they allowed people to start wearing number zero. So what do you think about uh, people wearing number zero? I don't know if we ever really talked about that uh, aspect on the show that that they are allowing people to wear number zero. And I believe was it Naheem Hines that took yeah. zero for us. So, yep. so Naheem Hines will be number zero. I, I like it because, you know, as, as a former player, I always liked having a low number, right? I wore number 13, just like Stevie Johnson. And quick shout out to Stevie Johnson with HBHF. Um, if you guys don't know what that's all about, get involved ASAP. And any local businesses out there in Western New York that want to get involved, hit me up because we can get you linked up with Stevie Johnson and what he's doing over there. But I like that Naheem Hines got the number. I like that he kind of solidifies himself on this roster a little bit, takes that number zero. And uh, I just want to highlight some of my favorite number zeros in the history of sports. Number one, Gilbert Arenas, even though he brings guns into the arenas. Um, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, one of my favorites as well. Montage, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, the more uh, number possibilities, the better. I think that it's only going to be a matter of time. It's like, um, I don't I don't understand, you know, the, the retiring of numbers and, and the wall. You know, you can only have so many guys with like retired numbers you see like the yankees they nobody can wear anything below 11 now because everything's retired it's like you can't retire every number 
uh, there is. You need to you'd keep some for for availability to play in the future. Otherwise, there's never going to be, you know, eventually they're going to run out. So I, I like it. I think it's a, you know, added um, digit. I think people have fun with it. And that's the NFL gets a rap of being in the no fun league. And I get that. But I think this is a, an area where kind of lets people, um, you know, choose to be themselves. And if they want to wear uh, and be the agent zero, so to speak, they can go out there and do that. So. And that rule was actually proposed by the Philadelphia Eagles, too. So um, Philadelphia is the one to thank for that. Uh, you know, thank you very much. I like that rule. It's a simple rule, and it should not have been a rule that we could not have the number zero. And also, I like how in recent years they allow players to, you know, um, wear single-digit numbers. They don't have to have the double-digit numbers. There's a little bit more freedom because, um, yeah, to, to some it's just a number. But for some of us, man, that number is sacred. We wear that number for our whole careers or whatever sport we play. Like, you know, growing up yep. playing baseball, I always wore number two just like Derek Jeter um, wearing 13. Uh, for football, like after Stevie Johnson, as I said before. But uh, let's go into this next rule real fast. This was proposed by the Los Angeles Chargers, and it was approved. Make the adjustment of the play clock following an instant replay reversal consistent with other timing rules. Montage, what do you make of this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's just what makes sense, right? I mean, I don't think you you want to have the, the clock, um, you know, being having different rules on when you can adjust it and things like that. So I think, you know, just made a lot of sense to kind of keep that in mind with, with the other, um, you know, timing rules and the, and this will just allow that to, to keep pace. Yeah. And uh, let's go to the next one proposed by the Houston Texans, expand the replay officials jurisdiction to allow for review on failed fourth down attempts. I think this is good, right? Because we want to make sure that uh, fourth down attempts are, critically analyzed and we want to make sure that the team that either converts it or does not convert it because we've seen how critical a fourth down attempt can come into a game. Uh, Montage, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that um, I don't really care about it. I, you know, it's like, I just want, you know, it doesn't really impact me. They'll, They'll find a way to replay everything at the end of it. So just kind of is what it is. I'm not anti-replay. It's just like, just make it all happen. I mean, if you're just going to go instance by instance, it just kind of is what it is. I think it just, they're going to make everything replayable at the end of it, or they're going to implement kind of the sky judge where they're going to instantly kind of uh, be able to correct the calls on the field if they're wrong. So, you know, I, I, th I don't make too much of it. Okay. Here's another one. Proposed by the competition committee, make the penalty for tripping a personal foul, which I believe in the NFL, if you have two personal fouls, you're ejected from the game, no? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that, that one makes kind of sense, and I think that, yeah, tripping should definitely be a personal foul, um, even if it is on Mike Tomlin, <laughs> if you guys know what I'm talking about, if you know, you know. Um, here's yeah. another one, too. Proposed by the competition committee, make the penalty for illegal handling the ball forward consistent with other illegal acts, such as illegal forward passes. That makes sense. How about making the penalty for illegal punts, drop kicks, or place kicks consistent with other illegal acts, such as illegal forward passes? Some of this stuff doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, but again, the NFL is just constantly making the game more and more accurate and more and more safe. Um, some of these ones are whatever, but here's one that was proposed by the Buffalo Bills. Make the regular season and postseason roster transaction deadlines the same. Change the transaction deadline for Saturday night postseason games to 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. What do you make of that? 
yeah, it kind of gives you a little more flexibility. It lets guys um, get as much treatment as possible before they're ruled out. So I like it. I think that's kind of, you know, McDermott and, and Bean kind of being um, those kind of, you know, wanting every opportunity to do whatever they can to get things um, right for their players to be out on the field. So I think that's a, a, it's a good rule change too. Yeah. Let's take some comments real fast before we go into some of these other uh, more uh, notable rule changes that are playing into the kickoff uh, before we move on. Yeah. Junie comes in and says, uh, greetings built in Buffalo. I hope Ken Dorsey adjusts to running the ball more. The bills really need a run game. And I think that's right. I think you need to, um, you need to get a balanced offense. You need to be able to be less predictable in the end. The, the reason why the Bills weren't able to have success at the end of the season is because they were too predictable. Uh, when I'm sitting on my couch or sitting in the stands and I see a formation come out and I know what play they're going to run just from my seat, um, I can't imagine how someone who's prepared and watched film all week for the Bills can go out there and and know you know, what's coming at them. And that kind of led to, you know, our inability to be as effective as we could be. I mean, you can know what's coming at you. You still have to stop it. There's still that part. And so the bills get away with some of the stuff because they're so damn talented. They can go out there and just beat people um, regardless of if they know what's coming or not, because you can't always just sell out to one thing. Otherwise you'll, you could get beat another way. So you have to um, kind of respect that. So I think adding the running game and, and, I think, you know, there's a good poll out there on the built-in Buffalo Twitter, if you guys go check that out, uh, the most impactful off-season edition. And um, right now, I think it's down to, you know, Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid versus Damian Harris, and then Puna Ford versus Osiris Torrance. So the Damian Harris versus Dalton Kincaid thing is so fun because they're two guys that are going to vastly change the ability capability of this offense you have a big slot receiver and then you have a uh running back a big running back that can kind of eat up yards and punish people inside the pot inside the tackles so i really think that um those two guys and, and damian harris allowing us to run the ball with with more authority could definitely change things and um and we also may miss Devin Singletary's ability to make people miss two yards behind the line of scrimmage, because if the offensive line doesn't get their shit together, I think that you're um, going to see some of these straight ahead runs. are just going to be pounding into a wall and it's going to be tough to, to see those, um, you know, see those guys really get uh, any traction going. So thanks for your comment, Junie. Appreciate you, bro. Um, just, uh, you know, I think that that's a great point. We have to be uh, dynamic. We have to be, um, able to catch people off guard and, and be able to run out of passing down uh, sets and pass out of running sets. So I think that will open up a whole different dynamic to the bills offense ultimately. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. Um, and any other comments you want to highlight before we move on to the uh, fair catch rule that's being put in place for the season? I think your mom's giving us the cold so shoulder. She just sent a blank. Ma, message. what are you, what are you Hi, saying? Ma, what, the, <laughs> Ma, what the heck are you saying? What are you like doing? A, like a blank stare at us or something. I don't know. She's got her they eyes on it. us apparently or something. But of course, for those of you just now tuning in, you're live here in the sit down in the built in Buffalo Networks, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. This is presented by Dove's Famous Wings. And of course, hosted by myself, the Sauce God at Buffalo Sauce God across all social media platforms. And join here with my guy, Mafia Montage at Mafia Montage. So, Let's go to Article 4, putting the ball in play after a fair catch. One of the most recent 
uh, rule approves, uh, rules approved is this. After a fair catch is made or is awarded as the result of fair catch interference, the receiving team has the option of putting the ball in play by either A, fair catch kick from the spot of the catch, um, B, snap from the spot of the catch, or the succeeding spot after enforcement of any applicable penalties, unless a player on the receiving team makes a fair catch of a free kick behind the receiving team's 25-yard line, in which case the ball will be put in play at the receiving team's 25-yard line. Um, basically, what this is going to do is going to move it up to, I think, the 25-yard line, um, kind of like a touchback rule if they were to make that fair catch. Um, and this is basically what the NFL has been doing in recent years. They're trying to eliminate the returns in the game, which I'm not necessarily a big fan of because the Buffalo Bills are a team that's had returns go for touchdowns in recent years. I mean, even 2020, this recent year with Naheem Hines. Um, so I'm not exactly excited about it, but at the same time, I do understand it because there are so many bang-bang plays. I mean, even me, when I played football, one of the things that I used to be terrified of doing was when I would go to make the fair catch on a punt return, I don't know if anybody's going to come smacking me in the face, right? I'm looking up at this ball, and I'm terrified to the point where I'm almost thinking about not catching the damn football because I'm afraid of getting smacked, even though it will be a penalty and my team will be rewarded. Sure, it doesn't change the, the fact that I'm still a little freaking nervous about it, right? So I understand the NFL's initiative here. I understand what the NFL is trying to do in making the game safer and trying to eliminate concussions because – I think the NFL has definitely been scrutinized for the way that they've handled concussions, so it makes a lot of sense. But, Montage, what do you make of this newest rule change? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm indifferent. I I don't necessarily like it, but I guess if, you know, that's what they want to do, I guess I'm not going to really make a big stink about it either. They expect Sorry, that I just got a tickle in my throat when I, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to drop that, but, I mean, you, Naheem Hines had two returns for a touchdown in the same game last year. I mean, I don't, you, you took out the magical moment wedge, you took out all that stuff. I mean, I think that you still got to be able to play the game. So I mean, yeah, it, it's a rule that people could use, but it doesn't necessarily mean players are going to call the fair catches. It's just, if they want, if they want to, it, you know, I think it's, you know, in bad weather games, they could use that to their advantage where they can call fair catch and they could not have to worry about, um, you know, fielding the ball. Because I think if they call the fair catch, you know, maybe they can just let it go and it'll just be on the 25. I guess we'll have to see how that works out. But, yeah, I think that you got to you got to let them play um, the game. You can't um, take away special teams out of the game and special teams is all kicks and punts it's all the same kind of action where somebody is is placing the ball down the field and people are running after them and it's just impair you know it, it's just going to cause collisions that uh may cause injury and that that is what it is people need to be able to use good form and you know obviously uh people get caught off balance all the time and things like that and that's kind of how injuries happen but at the same point in time like it is a, a contact sport. It's a physical sport. And we like to watch it because it is that we kind of, you know, I think as fans, uh, people, people, we want to have. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Fair catches an onside kick. Nice. Yeah, it has to. 
I, they have to fair catch it inside the 25 for that to work. So that wouldn't necessarily work out. But but I, I still uh, I think that uh, you know that that rule is is what it is, and it's going to be. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of, it doesn't impress me. It doesn't anger me that much. It's just kind of is what it is. So. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is something else I wanted to highlight in regards to that rule change as well. Um, in 2022, 19 players suffered concussions during kickoffs. And of those 19 concussions, only one of them happened to be a returner. And that was actually Packers defensive back Keyshawn, uh, Keyshawn Nixon, who actually had a comment on it. He said, LOL, what is a fair catch? Um, and I think that that's definitely something that's interesting because this is a guy that suffered a concussion. It's just not something that these players always think about. They don't go into games playing afraid of getting a concussion because they know what they signed up for. And it sucks. You want to eliminate concussions as much as possible. It's not an injury that we want to see for anybody. Right. But it's something that these players know that they have as a possibility out there. I mean, you know, you go out there doing construction work, you know, there if, you, if you're not safe and you don't do things with good form, you don't do things with good safety techniques, you know, you might injure yourself. That's the types of things that you have to be aware of. So, um, and Gage is right. This is only temporarily for this year. This is an experimental rule change. The NFL is definitely, uh, they said it twice in the rule change, by the way, to make sure that it is known that it is only for just the 2023 season. So, it is interesting to see if this will play into uh, upcoming seasons as well. But for now, this is something that we will see in 2023. The NFL has made a rule change in regards to the kickoff. Montage, are there any other rules you want to go over before we move on to some of our other topics? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple more here just to go through. I'll, I'll go through them. So QB3 uh, is allowed to be carried now for the games. Uh, you can have an emergency quarterback. He can't. Uh, he can be dressed and everything, but he can't. You can't go in unless the first two quarterbacks um, are injured. You can't just decide to use them because you want to bench somebody. But uh, they have the ability to um, to to carry that emergency. And I think um, San Francisco got into that uh, spot where they had the game where they just didn't have a quarterback that could play. So they had to run some crazy offense there. And then the last one is just to do with scheduling, not really the game. It's just to allow a flex on Thursday night football. Um, a four week notice is required. Weeks 13 through 17 are the eligible weeks to flex a game and only two Thursday night flexes are allowed in one season. So uh, the other thing is teams can't play two away Thursday night games in the season. So we may see one, we may see one game this year get flexed, uh, to Thursday later in the season, potentially you could see if, uh, I don't know if there will be a Thursday game for week 17, but, uh, the bills and Patriots game was mentioned as one of the games that, that could be, um, uh, I could point by Roy here. Yes. Uh, the QB three does have to be on the 53. So yeah, they have to, or elevated from the, they could be one of the elevations, I believe from the uh, practice squad for the game. That's so, definitely a significant rule change too. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Yeah. And so, so the Thursday night flex, uh, it, it's possible. It's just not something that's necessarily going to be. Um, I don't think. I don't think we'll see lot. it this year. You might see. You might see one, but you're not going to see. They can only do it twice if if a season anyway. So I think you might see one, but I doubt you'll see two. Yeah, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport actually said that he would be surprised to see any at all this year uh, flex for a Thursday night game. 
But of course, it's something that makes it possible. And the reason it's possible is because of how badly the Broncos performed in primetime games last year. It felt like they were every single freaking week in a primetime game, and it was not primetime football. So I understand the NFL wants to make use of its ratings. They want to make use of every bit of money they put into this damn league because Let's be honest, the NFL right now is probably the most popular sport in America. Maybe not the necessarily the world, but look at they are expanding to play in Germany and more spots in London, Mexico even. So the NFL is definitely expanding worldwide, and they want to get this game as safe as possible and as entertaining as possible in the spots where they absolutely can do so. So, Montage, let's go into our uh, next topic. Uh, before we move on, though, let's take a few more comments, actually, because the next topic is going to be about the Patriots cheating. Yeah, uh, Matt came in. What's up, Matt? Saying uh, fair catch can be made to bring it back to the 25. Uh, so they're going backwards. Robbie's in here. What's up, dude? Uh, What's seven, up, Robbie? Let's talk 716. And um, that's, yeah, that will not take away from the 53. That's right. That's just, like I said, you elevate them from the practice squad and use one of those, but it doesn't have to uh, take up a game day roster spot. So, um, I know that uh, the that John Murphy had a stroke last year, so so that's what's going on. Uh, I don't know who or or what they're gonna do with the broadcasters. I don't know if you know, Sauce Guy, but I, I just that's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, I'm we saying. could definitely do it. If I could work with Eric Wood, that'd be great. I think they'd probably keep Eric Wood. I would assume, but I don't I don't know exactly what what their plan is going into the season. I just know that that John Murphy did. Uh, suffer a stroke last year and uh, and hopefully he's uh, you know doing well I, I haven't heard any updates on him or whatnot or, or really pried into it so um, you know I appreciate you bringing that up but yeah I don't I don't know if we ha- are going to have much uh, information there PSA though if the Buffalo Bills are looking for anybody to do play-by-play commenting just give me your montage a call where we're available Sundays we'd be more than happy to be there at the game We'd be more than happy to get the Bills Mafia absolutely fired up week after week. So I like that that was brought up, actually. Of course, I do miss the the commentating with, with Mark Kelso up there, too. But Eric Wood, he's, he definitely does a great job up there and gives more of a modern feel to this Buffalo Bills uh, broadcast. So I like that. But let's move on to our next topic of the Patriots cheating and getting docked two OTA sessions, which I'll read into this. It was reported Thursday that the Patriots' violation was related to a special teams meeting held earlier in the offseason. In short, it was not designated optional and was included on the team's internal schedule. That meeting appearing on the internal schedule made it a mandatory gathering in the eyes of the NFLPA. At that point in the offseason, teams are not allowed to have mandatory meetings, so it was a violation. Now, apparently, uh, this conducted it was conducted by Joe Judge, their special teams coach, um, conducted special teams meetings that caused offense and defense players to be at the facility longer than their maximum four hours. So let's talk about this. Now, what happens to that? They basically are going to get docked. Um, They lose two OTA dates, and that's definitely critical in the offseason because um, whatever guys you can get there at that moment, you want to have there. But when you have uh, optional and voluntary uh, things out there, where you're not able to even get your team sort of going, you're behind in the game, right? You know, other teams are out yep. there practicing and getting a feel for the football field and a feel for the new players around them. And yet the Patriots will be sitting at home because the Patriots can't ever seem to just keep themselves out of the freaking eyes of the word cheating. Montage, what do you make of this? 
yeah, it's got to be an oversight by somebody, but it's just annoying. It's like, what are you guys doing? Don't you just, can't you just follow the rules as a, like everyone, someone has to do something there. It seems like every year or whatever, you know, it's like, guys, figure it out. Right. I mean, there's a whole, they they supposedly are so good at knowing the rules in the game and the rules of the game of football that they're able to stretch them and, and use them to their own ability but then they uh, go out and they can't follow simple rules like how to have a meeting and how to declare it mandatory. So I'm sure it was a uh, oversight on someone's uh, plate there and they, they're probably uh, going to be disciplined. But I, I just think it's just comical. How, how can you be such, such a buttoned up organization but continuously have these type of violations and things? And it's, it's just, an OTAs. It's, it's like, dude, yeah. it's like I for me, I laugh because it's like what the f- like do they just think that because it's OTAs nobody's going to notice or like the rules just don't apply to them like i just feel like the patriots are constantly always in something and like again it brings us back to the point of is this really that great of a franchise or is this a franchise that just knows how to get away with shit or try to get away with shit long enough to where it goes unnoticed and eventually they get noticed for it so uh the patriots it says here Patriots cheating. It's not necessarily cheating. It was probably just some sort of miscommunication. Yes. But again, it's hilarious because the Patriots just simply can't stay out of any type of scandal. So the Patriots have been docked two OTA sessions, which is critical right now with this AFC East as ramped up as it is. And for this Buffalo Bills squad, let's keep doing the right things, guys. I love what we're doing here. So montage. Let's move on to our next subject. But before we do that, if you guys are just now tuning in, don't forget to hit that like and share. Keep those comments flowing. You're live here in the sit down with the Sauce God and Mafia Montage right here on the Built in Buffalo Networks Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Don't forget to hit that like, follow, subscribe for all of the Built in Buffalo Networks social medias, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, maybe. Who knows? But you want to not miss any sort of Bills content. And that is your source right here, Built in Buffalo, for all your Bills content and much more. So, Montage, let's go to this one. DeAndre Hopkins' momentum. And I actually, actually, you had something to comment on with this, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. I definitely uh, I had a thought today, and I was going to tweet it out. And I said, no, what? I'll just save it for the show, and uh, we'll go over it. So, um, the big thing I've seen out there is that the Bills are the favorite to get DeAndre Hopkins. And I don't understand it, other than he says publicly he wants to play with Josh Allen. And he says, uh, and, and then we know he's... Von Miller's friend, but the Bills don't have cap space to, for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. So it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense to why people think the Bills are the leading. Um, so according to Garrett Podell, there was a, a graphic put out that the seven best fits for DeAndre Hopkins are the Bills, number one, Cowboys, Jets, Niners, Eagles, Browns, and Ravens. And I I get the that he's Von Miller's friend. I get that he wants to play with Josh Allen, but his contract, unless Arizona is willing to eat it, is completely unattainable for the Bills unless they are going to uh, go against everything they've been trying to do all offseason, which is fix their cap situation and be able and not have to kick every can down the road. So they would have to restructure a few guys. They could definitely make the room for it. But here's the thing. According to Spot Track, after June 1st, if they're if DeAndre Hopkins is traded, the Arizona Cardinals dead cap hit will instead of twenty two point six million this year become eleven point three million this year and eleven point three million next year, which allows them to save a total cap this year of nineteen million instead of what it would be as eight million. So 
again, DeAndre Hopkins could be traded post June 1st, and you could see Arizona potentially eat that contract because they would then have the cap savings and be able to split the the dead cap between 23-24 season and to the 24-25 season. So that gives them a little more flexibility with DeAndre Hopkins' money on their books uh, for Arizona. So if you're looking for a Hopkins trade, um, I wouldn't expect it. Again, we said this again on the Blitz. Um, we're not going to expect it until after June 1st. And, and Arizona is going to be able to split the cap, uh, the cap hit, the dead cap hit, for, and right now it would be 22.6 million after June for it becomes 11.3 million this year and 11.3 million next year. So, okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So obviously with his contract, um, there are talks about he could be cut from the Arizona Cardinals, but I don't necessarily see that happening because it's not like you're cutting a player who can't play the game of football. We're talking about arguably a top five receiver in the game right now when healthy. I just think, now I didn't watch the entire interview, but I don't think that he ever mentioned Kyler Murray's name when he discussed these quarterbacks that he would like to be throwing the football, uh, have have throwing him the football. And of course, Josh Allen was the first one that he said. And it just goes back to, again, you know, like for me, I think it's clear as day that Buffalo is the most complete team, in my opinion, most complete team in football next to the Philadelphia Eagles. That's my opinion. I think that the Kansas City Chiefs have probably the most explosive offense, but now they've lost Juju Smith-Schuster. We'll see exactly how they make up with that. I just, again, think that Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, then you got back there James Cook, and then you throw DeAndre Hopkins into the mix too. I think it just makes a lot of sense. And I think that for a team that with as good of a defense as the Buffalo Bills, and I've seen Kansas City fans say that we don't have that good of a defense, which is hilarious to me. It's just that we have not gotten it done in moments that we need to get it done. But I think um, the biggest thing I also ta- I saw from Gerald McCoy too that he talked about, um, he was on NFL Network recently for Good Morning Football. He talked about the Bills definitely have enough to get over the top. It's just in those moments that they have to perform well, they've just come up short. And it's a matter of focus and it's a matter maybe of coaching. And I think that's why we're seeing Sean McDermott taking over the play calling this year on defense. That's why we still have Ken Dorsey coming back this year as offensive coordinator. So I think it's, again, we have the tools, especially if this team is healthy, we definitely have the tools. But adding DeAndre Hopkins would make this offense to me just absolutely unstoppable. I mean, the, the possibility yeah, to his point, right? I think that to Gerald McCoy's point is like, yeah, if we haven't gotten it done yet, that's another reason why Hopkins would help. I mean, he's a, a difference maker. He's a guy that in the clutch moments, look at the end of the, obviously we know that the Hale Murray, you know, right. So it's like, he's a guy that's going to get it done in the clutch. We know that. So why wouldn't you want to bring that kind of a guy in? And you could figure out your roster gymnastics later, whether you want to keep seven receivers or still only keep six and send somebody down the practice squad or have to cut a guy you thought was going to make the roster, whatever. That's a good problem to have. Too much talent in one position is always a good problem to have. So for me, I just I don't understand where the financial aspect would make sense. If if we're going to not have if Arizona is not going to eat any of that contract and we're going to have to pay for that, that just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make him a fit for our team because he's expensive and I just, we don't have the room for an expensive free agent to come in or expensive trade unless we get rid of someone, you know, if we're trading someone along the lines of like an Ed Oliver, who's set to make 10 million, like we talked about pre-draft. Okay. And I don't think Ed Oliver is going to be traded at this point in time. So I, you know, it's just a matter of, we'll, we'll really see 
how things hammer out in June. And then um, obviously July starts getting into training camp and we'll have a much better uh, perspective on, on the roster. So. Yeah, definitely. Montage, you want to highlight any comments before we move on to our next segment of Bada Bing, Bada Boom? No, I'm pretty good here. All right, excellent. For those of you just now tuning in, don't forget to hit that like and share. we still got plenty of show left here in the sit-down of the built and Buffalo Networks, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. But this segment right here is what we call Bada Bing, Bada Boom, the good things that we've seen in the world of sports this week. Montage, even though I think me might have a possible similarity in this one, I'm going to let you start this one out. Yeah, uh, obviously seeing Demar Hamlin back at OTAs and and actually doing some drills, I think was uh, was really cool. And I don't, was that what you were going to touch on? Actually, no, it was not. So I'm actually Perfect. kind of so excited I'll, I'll, because I'll run with this one. Uh, so Demar Hamlin coming back, obviously he's doing positional drills, um, not wearing a helmet yet and things, but he's out there uh, doing the drills. And what I was really impressed to see is like he was actually going and hitting a sled, you know, and I think that's that's really cool to see him doing that kind of physical um, drill. I think I thought doing the backpedaling and whatever and then getting a ball thrown to him and catching that that's all good and doing those kind of drills but he actually was going through and you know getting hands on a sled and on a bag so i think those kind of physical drills are kind of surprising to me to see and i love to see it i'm gonna gobble this up all i can because i was there at that game uh last year and i just think that this whole uh saga has been not maybe not saga but whatever you want to call it this has been such a great story um, after he was able to make the recovery and get out of the hospital and now being back at the team facility and even being out on the practice field. So just really cool to see it. Um, and when the videos came out, it just kind of sends chills down your spine. Yeah, exactly. For me, bada bing, bada boom this week has definitely got to be the fact that Aaron Judge last night hits a tying home run in the ninth, and then Anthony Volpe wins it in the tenth. And I think it's really awesome to see that this kid, Anthony Volpe, is continuously making a difference on this team, whether it's just in a clutch home run, whether it's his first grand slam, or whether it's winning it in the tenth inning last night, uh, or not last night, but I think it was actually, it might have been the first game yesterday, or maybe, I'm not sure, but either way, this kid is constantly contributing to this Yankees team, and it makes me really excited as a Yankee fan. That's got me saying, bada bing, bada boom, let's move on to our next segment here, forget about it, the ugly things that we've seen in the world of sports this week, montage, I'm going to start this one off. How about the fact that the Lakers got swept in that Western Conference Finals? I mean, to me, I thought the Lakers were playing pretty good basketball, but that, I think, is more of a testament to how good this Nuggets team really is. But it was damn ugly to see the Lakers couldn't even win one game. The Celtics were able to at least win one. So far, they're down 3-1 to one in that series against the, uh, against the Miami Heat. But the Lakers just couldn't get it done at all. They got swept four games against the Denver Nuggets. So that's got me saying forget about it. Montage, what about you? Yeah, I got to go to the NHL and talk about the Jamie Benn situation. You know, he comes from behind and uh, knocks a guy down and then cross-checks his face when he's sitting on the ice. I just think that was uh, really poor sportsmanship. He got suspended for like two games in the playoffs. It's like, come on, guys. In the NHL, they love that physicality, and I, I get it. It's so much, you know, it's it's part of the game, the fighting and those kind of things. It's a fun sport to watch because you have that. But, I mean, that type of unsportsmanlike – I mean, uh, I heard Joe DiBiase on WGR say this too, is like, there was actually like his stick was flexing as he was pushing the guy's face in, into the ice. Like he was definitely putting some pressure on it there. And um, whether there was intent behind it or not, man, I don't know how he gets off with a two game suspension. Anyway, I think the Dallas stars are going to get eliminated uh, when they play tomorrow either way. Uh, so it won't matter, but uh, yeah, that's kind of crazy. 
Yeah, I, I think that's definitely ugly. Not something that I like to see at all. And Michael Block's ace at the 15th in the PGA Championship is a really good one. Or just Michael Block. And by the way, Gage, great point because I saw the guy hit a ball off a bridge of the cart path and just end up 10 yards shy of the green. Michael Block, yeah. man, Rochester's adopted son. Montage, what did you think about that? Yeah, it's cool. I think he played again today and played fairly well. Uh, from what I saw, I didn't see his final uh, scorecard or anything, but I, from what I was following earlier on, I think he did have a decent round. So it was kind of cool. You know, he, he's uh, a club pro out there at Oak Hill, and then now he's uh, invited to all the tournaments and and making a making a name for himself. I think it's a really cool, um, cool story and and just a cool guy. I think a lot of people in the golf community feel like uh, kind of revived. It's one of those kind of things that kind of gets you revved up and. Um, you know, outside of uh, Tiger Woods coming back and being any sort of competitor, uh, you know, it's a good to see that golf's getting some momentum here as they go into their season. And and they had a, a major just uh, just happened with a great story on it. So there was at least some hype added to to the golf uh, major there that uh, wasn't uh, about Tiger Woods. So no, I think it was cool. Excellent, man. I love that. Montage, let's move on to our next segment of Victory Formation. And for those of you just now tuning in, don't forget to hit that like and share. Keep those comments flowing. The sit-down, by the way, is every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Built in Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And don't forget, the audio version of this show is available via audio podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you may get your podcasts. And don't forget, it's also available on our YouTube channel, Facebook, wherever you may want to watch. For those of you that are not able to tune in, always have an option to check us out here in the sit down. So the victory formation, what player can have the biggest impact at the OTAs montage for me, it's Josh Allen. It's just simply Josh Allen because Josh Allen's mentality is what is going to drive this team either to success or to failure. And I think that he's right now so focused. He's so dialed in. He's so locked in. And I also see him out there with Dalton Kincaid making adjustments to where you know, he knows what these guys got to do. He has this different leadership role that I'm seeing take place. And it's because he's more of a seasoned veteran. Um, and that's exactly what I want to see from Josh Allen. His leadership is exactly what makes this team so damn great on offense and defense, too, because everyone wants to play alongside a guy like that. So I think for me, the most the player that can have the biggest impact at OTAs has got to be Josh Allen. But Montage, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's kind of the receiving core as a whole. Without Stefan Diggs being there, you got guys like Sherfield and Shakir taking some reps on the outside. And I think we talked about it on the Blitz on Tuesday too. Is like, uh, it without Stefan Diggs there, and look, it's it, it's voluntary. And Diggs has a lot going on. He's a businessman. He's very into the fashion market too. So I I don't mind him not being there. But Sherfield and Hardy and Shakir specifically and then Dalton Kincaid coming in at tight end those guys are going to get real like sort of real speed reps at least where Allen's going to be able to throw them a ball and it's going to be similar to the ball he would throw in a game and you got to be able to consistently catch that so I think that that is at the wide receiver position gives you the chance to make a biggest impact because the offensive line's not going to really get any better at OTAs. They're going to learn and things like that. But until you put pads on, you don't know anything about what you have at offensive line. And Sean McDermott said that in his press conference, that guys have fooled him before with strong performances at OTAs. And then when the pads came on, they kind of got soft and didn't really perform as he expected. So I really think at OTAs, when we're talking about, you know, where you're looking, I'm looking at seeing Josh Allen to guys like Sherfield and Shakir and Hardy and, you know, Josh, even like uh, this is a good point, John Robert, 
you know, Josh was impressed with Sherfield. Yeah. He brought up in his press conference specifically Shakir and Sherfield. And when he was asked about Diggs not being there, the first guy he went to was Sherfield, which was a surprise to me. But he's also asked specifically about Shakir, said Shakir was learning the X and the Z positions. So it looks like they're going to try Shakir out on the outside roles as well. He's going to be able to spell Gabe Davis. He did that a little bit last year. He's going to hopefully get an expanded role this year. And I think that it's going to be cool to see how these receivers kind of progress in getting the reps with Josh Allen throughout the OTAs. Great stuff, Montage. I like it. Let's go into the next segment. I'm just going to let you take this one. The pain trains. Taylor Rappin's playing Puna Ford's roles. What do you think, Montage? Yeah, I was listening to the radio today. I think Taylor Rapp apparently has been impressing guys on and off the field so much that it's going to be hard for them not to play him. He's forcing himself onto the field in some role or another. So uh, it's kind of fun to see that you may um, you may look for a three three safety set um, with Hyde and Poyer and maybe Rapp down uh, playing a little bit where Taron Johnson might play in the slot, but he might come up and be um, maybe a blitzer or just another guy in the box. I think he has that. Uh, talent in his repertoire. So uh, Taylor Rapp's definitely an interesting uh, defender. I think it's going to be really fun to watch him play defense this year for the Buffalo Bills. He's going to carve out his own role. It looks like he's definitely pushing everyone to be better. And that's the iron sharpen iron mentality right there. Uh, p- case in point, uh, Puna Ford, obviously just guys talk about him. He's just a massive human being. And so um, he's going to come in and, and definitely improve that run defense. I think that Bill's defense has been missing a little bit. And that may be um, the biggest improvement on the defense right there is having three defensive tackles with high uh, level of, of production. When you have Puna Ford with Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones, I think you're going to see the option for even some sets where they have like an Ed Oliver playing with Puna Ford and Daquan Jones if he slides out a little bit. I don't know. They definitely will do that, but I think it's an option for them if they want to get Ed some looks at other places. Um, you know, I think he can do it. So, you know, the fact that Taylor Rapp is is such a versatile utility guy um, and then Puna Ford kind of shores up that interior depth, I think it just uh, definitely spells good news for the Bills' run defense and the Bills' defense as a whole moving forward this season. Excellent. I like that one. Let's go into the unsung hero. How far back can DeMar Hamlin make it? I think he can definitely make it onto the football field montage. What do you think? Yeah, we're all going to be rooting for him, right? So we'll hope that uh, I know with the Taylor Rapp signing and stuff, we're kind of deeper at safety than we even knew uh, going into the offseason here. So um, it was it was a point of need kind of going into the draft and things. But now after um after the draft, we didn't even draft a safety, but we seemingly have kind of shored up our depth at safety. So I kind of like that uh, uh, he's out there. He's he's going to give it his best. And the way he looked is like, yeah, I think he can get back there on the field. And I hope um, I, I think he's eligible. I, I guess everyone's eligible now. But, you know, at minimum to be on the practice squad and and then, you know, maybe continue later in the season, be able to be elevated and, and see the field in some games. So it would be beautiful to see him on that field in Cincinnati again, I think, but um, you know, we're, we're going to have to wait and see and see what he can, what he can do to get back and how much strength he can gain. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect to see him out there um, too much in the preseason maybe, or even in, in the regular season early on. But, you know, I think as he gains strength back and things like that, we might be able to see him kind of make a recovery and, and be a depth piece that the bills could utilize. Definitely. I like that montage. Great stuff. And of course, uh, DeMar Hamlin, man, 
prayers up with him at all times and we're always thinking about you and we just hope the best for him. And of course, you know, it's, it's, it really is up to how far he's willing to take himself and how far he's willing to push himself. But right now it looks like his effort is 100% there. So montage, let's go into our next segment here real fast of the unsung hero. I'm sorry, weakest link, because I got one for this one. It's just, I shared a reel on my Facebook page of, there's no offseason for Tua and Tyree Kill. It's just Tua dropping back like three feet and then just throwing a five-yard pass. Like, come on, dude. Like, that's not a thing exciting. Like, there's just nothing exciting about seeing Tua throw passes we know he can make. Can he throw the ball 80 yards downfield? That's what we've yet to see. So I'm tired of hearing the Miami Dolphins, no offseason. It's OTAs right now anyways. The offseason's freaking over. So that's enough of that BS. Let's go into our next segment here. Montage. No Mafia Montage Maniac of the Week, huh? Yeah, I'm not going to do it this week. I think that we had a pretty good OTA. I think that um, with the weakest link you were talking, you know, Tyreek Hill and Tua staying healthy. And I, I just wanted to circle back on the Aaron Rodgers deal. I think, again, I think the the lack of um, preparation maybe through the offseason since the season ended is going to come back and those soft tissue injuries can, can hurt. So I, I think, uh, you know, the jets having, you know, Brees hall coming off an injury, Aaron Rodgers now already hurt in the first practice, just a small strain, I guess, you know, there's nothing really to worry about, but it's just like, and the jets are going to have a rough year. I think, uh, even though they're, I think they're this year's Denver Broncos. So. Excellent. Well, that's going to lead us into our final segment of the show here of Getting Saucy. And let's kick it off, Montage. You already know the bill season's in full freaking effect. Let me tell you something, all right, Montage? Every freaking Thursday night, we're live here in the sit-down at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to give you guys the latest on your beloved Buffalo Bills. But we're also here to provide entertainment. So let me go ahead and just give a quick PSA to the rest of the AFCs. You got Aaron Rodgers not willing to practice. You got the Patriots getting docked to OTAs. You got Tua and Tyreek Hill making five-yard passes. But meanwhile, we got Josh Allen out there with a brand-new mindset. He's never been as focused as he He's been, he's locked in, he's dialed in. Sean McDermott says that he is the most complete leader he's seen, and he's just seen a different Josh, right? This Buffalo Bills squad is getting ready for the 2023 NFL season to kick off so we can kick ass and take names, and that's all I got to say about that. And that's me getting saucy right here in the sit-down. Every Thursday night here at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Built in Bubble Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, hosted by myself, the Sauce God, and Quick, my co-host at Mafia Montage. Give us a little sign-off before we get out of here. Yeah, Bill's Mafia, be kind to each other. Spread that Damar Hamlin love to everybody, and we'll see you next week. Go Bills. Go Bills. We'll see you next Thursday. <laughs>